0: We have uh, completed our review of the Vaibhashaka, Satrantika, and Chittamatra assertions of the uh, selflessness of uh, persons, the lack of an impossible me. And now we are up to uh, the Madhyamaka schools and within Madhyamaka, we have uh, two divisions all the way that uh, it's divided in the glokpa presentation so we have uh, svatantrika and we have prasangika and the svatantrika is uh, subdivided into yogachara svatantrika and saantrika svatantrika what uh, the main difference between the uh, Yogacara and uh, Sautrantika Svatantrika, is that uh, the Yogacara branch accepts the uh, Chittamatra assertion of uh, no external phenomenon, that uh, in non conceptual cognition, the um, object that uh, appears, when we're talking about a form of physical phenomenon, uh, derives from the same karmic seed or natal source, as the uh, primary consciousness and uh, mental factors that cognize it. They do not accept, however, the uh, foundation consciousness the way that uh, chitta Mantra does. Aside from that, the, uh, the uh, Yogacara and, and South Trantica branches of Svatantra are basically very similar. In uh, our presentation, we'll talk primarily about the South Trantica division. The main point that uh, distinguishes uh, our, uh, this Svatantrika position concerns the uh, objects that appear to the mind when uh, and particularly in terms of conceptual cognition. If we go back to the South we uh, spoke about uh, defining, individual defining characteristic marks. And in South uh, phenomena have, uh, this is talking primarily about non-static phenomena, have a defining characteristic mark which uh, establishes both the uh, phenomenon as a validly existent object or phenomenon. In other words, it encapsulates it in plastic, in a sense, and also it uh, objectively uh, defines it, or has the defining characteristic that it fits into a category and can be called by a certain word. So this it has independently, of these phenomena have these, uh, this type of defining characteristic mark independently of uh, whether or not they are objects of conceptual cognition. In other words, uh, whether or not they're mentally lab- labeled with a category. So this is objectively on the side of the object. So a defining characteristic that both establishes that it's a validly existent phenomenon and establishes that it as fitting into categories. Then, when we went to the uh, Chittamatra, we uh, Chittamatra asserted that uh, objects still, such objects still have the defining characteristic mark that uh, establishes them as a validly existent phenomenon. Right, encapsulates it in plastic. However, uh, they do not act as the basis on which mental uh, categories or names and words can be affixed. In other words, uh, they don't establish that uh, these phenomenon uh, exist in categories and are the uh, meaning or or, uh, significance of words. That the whole process of uh, fitting something into a category or into a uh, as a, uh, a basis of designation for a word is purely coming from the side of mental labeling or designation, in other words, from the um, consciousness side, right? But nevertheless, that object has a defining characteristic mark which is there, outside of uh, conceptual cognition as well. In other words, uh, in non-conceptual cognition, objects still have a defining characteristic that establishes it as a validly existing phenomenon. And when it comes to conceptual cognition, still has that uh, uh, defining characteristic mark, but that doesn't play any role in mental labeling, it is fitting into a category or being designated by words. It's purely subjective, okay? So now, and we saw that each of these two ways of uh, understanding uh, mental labeling categories, in other words, uh, what something is, uh, what name it's called by, and so on, have their uh, useful applications the side of uh, South Trontica, we saw that uh, we could examine objectively what categories do we fit into. So that was the objective side of what categories, because often we may deny some of these categories. And when we deny some of these categories or overemphasize other categories, we become unbalanced. So these categories may be our gender, they may be our nationality, they may be what family we belong to, um, the religion of uh, our family, etc. These type of uh, general categories. Then we saw from the Chittimatra point of view that uh, nevertheless, categories uh, from another point of view, from the Chittimatra point of view, are subjective, totally subjective, And so uh, if other people are, you know, calling us names or things like that, we, you know, we can put it into any category that we want to. You say this is nonsense and so on. We don't have to take that uh, personally. So we saw that that had an application. But now when we get to svatantrika, what they say is that Things still have an individual defining characteristic mark, but that individual defining characteristic mark doesn't have the power by itself to establish that something is a validly existent phenomenon. This is uh, what uh, in the Madhyamika systems is uh, known as the lack of truly established existence. Truly established existence, or true existence, is existence established independent, (coughs) independently, excuse me, (coughs) independently of what a mental label refers to, of mental labeling. (coughs) What, but Svatantrika, also refutes the other side, which is that, uh, which is the prasangika assertion, that uh, the uh, existence of something is established merely in terms of mental labeling. So that they refer to, but it's being established by the power of the defining characteristic mark by itself as the extreme of absolutism, and the uh, that it's established. Merely by the power of mental labeling as a stream of nihilism. So, the absolutist position that they are refuting is the Sautrantika and uh, Vaibhashika and Chittamatra, and the uh, nihilist position is Prasangika. Okay, so what they say is that uh, the existence of something can only be established by. Both the, the individual defining characteristic of uh, mark of something and the process of mental, you know, what, some, what a mental label refers to. So that is uh, their position that you need the combination of the two. So it's not the Chittamatra position that uh, um, in non conceptual cognition the defining characteristic mark establishes that it exists, and in the uh, conceptual cognition, the defining characteristic mark doesn't play any role, and it's only in terms of mental labeling. So it uh, doesn't uh, accept either of those two positions. So this is basically the uh, South Trantica position. And likewise, they say that uh, everything still has self-established existence, that uh, sometimes is translated as inherent existence. And self-established existence means that uh, um, in conceptual cognition, where you have a basis for labeling, and you have labeled category, you have a referent object, in other words, uh, what the category refers to on the basis of Uh, You know, the basis of imputation, so the conventional self, let's say the category and the word would be self. And it's labeled on this particular moment of configuration of my five aggregates, and it refers to conventionally existent self. Self Self-established existence means that uh, there is a, what I translate as a referent thing which is um, holding up, in a sense, that uh, uh, referent object. The referent object is conventionally existent self, and this would be a truly existent self, the uh, self-established uh, self. The self-established self is, um, has a self-establishing nature that has that, power, ability to establish it, its existence. So this is, in the Svatantrika system, different from the existence established by an individual characteristic mark, by itself, alone, that they don't have, that they uh, refute. So this is a distinction. So this means. In the language that usually is described with, that the object is findable. They can actually point to it, that there's something on its side that establishes that it exists, and that's the self-establishing nature. That's going to be refuted by Prasangaka, but everybody below Prasangaka asserts that things have self-established existence. Pardon? (laughs) Including Chittamatra. Self-established within cognition. Within cognition, you see. There's a difference between the the in Chittamatra, the natal source is where that appearance arises from. It's not talking about what establishes the existence of that uh, uh, appearance in a non-conceptual cognition. So when you see something, according to Chittamatra. That mental hologram is coming from the same seed of karma as the mental factors in consciousness. But when it arises, what establishes its existence is the self-established existence. There's a There is a self-establishing nature on its side that establishes that it's actually a thing. On the object side. On the side of the object, on the side of the mental hologram. It's an actual thing. So, remember, we said that, you know, the individual defining characteristic mark in this case is like the self-establishing nature in chittamatra It encapsulates it in plastic, it makes it a thing, a validly knowable thing. Remember, when we talk about uh, sense perception, you have a whole field, a sensory field of vision, let's say. And within that sensory field, there are various objects, and it seems as though they're encapsulated in plastic, that they're distinguishing, distinguishes that individual defining characteristic mark that somehow differentiates the colored shapes of, you know, your body from the colored shapes of the bookcase behind you makes it into an object. That's the mental factor of distinguishing. Otherwise, it's just a whole bunch of colored shapes. Right? So that's the individual defining characteristic, Mark. And somehow, that's findable according to all the systems other than Prasangika on the side of the object. Okay? Is this fairly clear? I mean, it's a subtle point. But uh, we'll be able to look at the characteristic, the application of it, the practical application of it. Okay. So in this Svetantrika system, The coarse and subtle types of selflessness of persons are the same as in Sautrantika and Chittamatra. That hasn't changed. Remember, the coarse subtleness of persons is that a person doesn't exist as, cannot be established as existing as a uh, static, partless entity that can exist independently of aggregates. And that just comes into the aggregates, possesses them, controls them. Uses them, inhabits them, etc. And the subtle selflessness of uh, persons is their lack of having a substantially um, self—what was the word? Um, self-sufficiently knowable substantial existence. Substantially established existence. So it has substantially uh, established existence according because it performs a function, that was the definition in uh, these systems. And it's self-sufficiently knowable, it can be known without basis of imputation also appearing initially, in the first moment, and then together with uh, that phenomenon. So, and you know why? When we talk about a mental hologram, mental hologram has a certain form and, you know, color and shape. A person doesn't. Motion doesn't. So that can only be known when a basis, you know, as a mental hologram, when when there's the basis appearing as a mental hologram. You follow? You can't just think of a self, of me, it has to be the mental representation of a sound me, of the word me, or some mental picture, something like that, a feeling of me, but that would be some sort of sensation. Yeah. Mental hologram, you mean a uh, mental image? Mental hologram is like a mental image, yeah. Yeah, that's another word for it. So, that was the coarse and subtle selflessness of persons. And the selflessness of all phenomenon, the Yogacara, they have the coarse one, which is the same as the Chidamatra, coarse selflessness of all phenomenon, that the you know appearance of a um, non-static phenomenon, dependent phenomenon, they call it, in non-conceptual cognition, does not arise from a separate natal source than the consciousness and mental factors of it. Sautrantika svatantrika doesn't assert this uh, core selflessness of, the only, of all phenomenon, so it only has one selflessness of all phenomenon, which is the subtle one in the Yogacara. And to read out what it is, It is impossible, the selflessness of all phenomenon is that it's impossible that their individual defining characteristic marks have the power by themselves to establish their existence as validly noble phenomenon, or as belonging to a certain category, or as being the meaning or referent of a certain name or word. And it's likewise impossible to establish these by the power of mental labeling alone. Right? So that's basically what I was describing before. So the existence of all phenomenon as validly knowable phenomenon belonging to certain categories and being the meaning and referent of certain words can only be established in terms of their being the referent objects of conceptual cognitions that validly label them with these categories and validly designate them with these words on the basis of their having the appropriate characteristic marks to be validly labeled and validly designated as such. In other words, you have for there to be a valid labeling of someone as, to use the classic example, as a king, then from their side, they have to have the uh, characteristic feature of being a king, otherwise a uh, sweeper. You know, a low caste person could be validly labeled as a king. So it's explained with the example from the caste system in uh, India. And this is the reason that is given for saying that there has to be a defining characteristic mark on the side of the object. So this this, uh, um, defining characteristic on the side of the object together with mental labeling, mentally labels it as a validly knowable thing, and mentally labels it as this or that. And according to convention and so on, uh, something could be validly labeled as different things. So uh, you could be validly labeled, honey, for example here, as a man, as a human being, as a, a Brazilian you know, there's all sorts of things that, uh, you know, would be, you know, the characteristic mark could be validly labeled. So it's as if they, that things have a barcode on their side, but that barcode doesn't establish their existence of, uh, as this or that, independently of the reader, the barcode reader. And the barcode reader doesn't have the power to establish it by itself either. You have to have the combination of the barcode and the barcode scanner or reader, whatever it's called. So something like that. Which also makes a certain uh, amount of sense. Okay? What you described now is chitana. Pardon? What you described now is... What is refuted now? What,
1: is refuted now? No, no, what you described now.
0: What I described now is svatantrika. But
1: as, well as no,
0: no, no, no. Only Svatantrika says that you have to have both, that to establish what something is, belong to a category that means, and to establish it as an actual, validly knowable phenomenon, you need both. It's by the power of both the defining characteristic on the side of the object, that's the barcode, as well as mental labeling that fits it into a category and designation of a word. That's like the barcode scanner. The combination of the two. Chittamatra said for making it a validly knowable object, it's only from the side of the object. And for making it fit into a category, it's only from the side of mental labeling. And Chittamatra Nachinamatra Svatantra says, no, for both establishing it as a thing and establishing it as what it is, this or that, you need the combination of the two. Defining characteristic, the findable defining characteristic on the side of the object, and the power of, of what a mental label refers to. It's not that mental labeling, you know, creates it. It's not that either. But you can only establish the existence as this or that through the combination of these two. Defining characteristic and conceptual cognition.
1: How you perceive the self in this?
0: The self is like that. The se- that there is a... The defining characteristic of the self, according to Sautrantika, was on the side found on the side of mental consciousness. According to Chittamatra, it's found on the side of foundation consciousness. Uh, according to svatantrika both Yogacara and uh, Sautrantika, because they don't accept foundation consciousness, they go back to mental consciousness. So at any time when you cognize yourself or somebody else, mental consciousness is always there on the side of the object. So that would be the minimum basis of imputation. And the the self can only be cognized first with the basis and then together with the basis. So the self has a findable defining characteristic mark on the side of the basis, here being mental consciousness, and it can only establish its existence as such in terms of what the category and the mental label and word self refers to on the basis of mental consciousness having that defining characteristic. or something having that defining characteristic. I mean, it's very interesting if you look in terms of a series of photographs of yourself and you say, that's me. So there's some defining characteristic. Where's the mental consciousness? Well, the mental consciousness had to be there when you took the picture. Okay? So this is Photantrika. Chidamacha will refute this. but that'll come next week. So, as an exercise to see the practical application, recall a task that you had to do, and how you recorded it as a terribly, as a truly horrible problem, you know, truly established as a horrible problem or thought of its, of its being a problem was purely a figment of your imagination, and it was not a problem at all. These are the two extremes. That it really was a problem, truly, independent of being called a problem, or it was just, you know, I made it up, I, you know, I'm just calling something a problem, which isn't really a problem. Okay? Then recall being unaware that the task had the characteristic mark of being either a horrible problem or a challenge that could help you grow. Like, for instance, a terrible job that you uh, hate. It all depended on your attitude toward the task and how you labeled and approached dealing with it. So we're unaware that the defining characteristic mark. that made it, you know, an existent thing, could be labeled as a horrible problem or as a challenge for growth. We were unaware of that. We thought it really was a horrible task. Or we thought, oh, get over it. (laughs) It's nothing.
1: Even though
0: it was something, in this case. Well, we're recalling the ignorance here. Mm -hmm. It was something. But uh, now we're talking about the ignorance, when we didn't understand that. And then identify the disturbing emotions, destructive behaviors and suffering you experienced as a result of such unawareness. For instance, being paralyzed and unable to deal with the task because either you believed it really was a horrible problem for its own side, or because you trivialized the task and didn't take it seriously because you thought of it being, a hor- being a horrible problem was just in your head. In other words, you could be paralyzed because you thought it really was a problem, so I can't deal with it. Or you trivialized it because you thought, well, it's just in my head. I'm just making it into something. Which, as you said, we're not taking it seriously.
1: And it will fall. Pardon? And we will suffer from that, from either.
0: Right, we want to avoid the two extremes. It's Madhyanaka, middle way. Because the task had the defining characteristic of what some people would consider a horrible problem and what others would consider a challenge for growth, think about the benefit of labeling and dealing with it as a challenge for growth. In other words, it had a defining characteristic, so it was something. You could, together with the power of labeling, consider it a horrible problem. But it could also equally be labeled validly as a challenge. It was something.
1: So both labels are valid.
0: It's not valid to consider that it is only by the power of it the, the thing of its you know, of the defining characteristic, that's a horrible problem. But you could label it a horrible problem. And many people would. You know, if you understood it together with the like, for instance, this is a horrible problem, it's too much for me, I can't handle it. That might be valid. And then you have to find some alternative or you have to get help. But you could also label it validly as a challenge. If you realistically consider your abilities and so on. Or I'll do as best as I can. But you're taking it seriously as a, an issue that you have to deal with. You know, this photantric position gives you this something to hold on to, you know, that there is something there on the side of the object, but how I deal with it is how I, you know, the way that I consider it, the way that I mentally label it. So if you consider the example of the self, you make a mistake, right? So you can label yourself, so there was a mistake, you know, there is a me that made the mistake. But what category are you going to now fit yourself into in terms of the person who made the mistake? It could be idiot, I always do, you know, I always mess up. Or it could be I'm a human being, human beings make mistakes. But there's a me that is findable, that made the mistake, that, you know, it gives you something to hold on to this phatantra position. So it's jumping into the pool, the swimming pool of Madhyamaka while still holding on to the side of the pool.
1: What you're pointing out is that this flexibility is not in the pool of madhyamika. This flexibility is still on the on the shore of the.
0: This flexibility is not fully prasangaka Mm
1: -hmm. No.
0: But because there is it uh, svatantrika still asserts self-established existence, Mm -hmm. so-called inherent existence. They're saying that in terms of this mental labeling of being an idiot or being, you know, just a human being that makes mistakes. There is something findable holding it up. The word is a focal support. It's like uh, something holding up a piece of scenery in uh, uh, the theater. There's something holding up what the Category refers to me.
1: But what does it
0: That's so, the referent thing.
1: So you're trying to say that it can hold up just as well either the human being that makes mistakes.
0: Or right. Or it it could, could hold up a human being yes. that makes mistakes or a uh, you know idiot. Uh, an idiot. The and this is one of the big things that uh, prasangika you know, that Tsongkhapa and Nagarjuna and so on refute. That how can it be, you know, a seemingly um, so, you know, like almost a static hmm. nature, you know, that makes it into an existent thing and yet is also non-static because it can be labeled as the, be the basis for labeling this or that. This, they say that's contradictory. That's in uh, Tsongkhapa's praise to dependent arising.
1: But it still takes us as one step.
0: But it's a, the, it. each, what, you know, by going through the tenant systems one by one and looking like we did today in terms of uh, uh, individual defining characteristic marks that uh, fit you into, a, fit something or someone into a category, we can see that uh, each of these tenant systems is going step by step, leading to the prasangika position. But to just jump to the prasangika position from the start, you don't appreciate the sophistication of it, the depth of what it's saying, what it's actually refuting.
1: So at this point, there's still no talk about dependent arising?
0: It's only oh of- no, this it is dependent arising. Everybody speaks about dependent arising. Mm. Dependent arising from the seed of karma. Dependent arising from uh, um, both the, the basis of imputation. Dependent arising from the defining characteristic mark in conjunction with mental labeling. All of that's dependent arising. Everybody asserts dependent arising. Including Theravada. It's just understood differently.
1: And they're also talking about voidness?
0: Well, they're talking about selflessness. Selflessness in terms of all phenomenon is then called voidness. They don't use the word voidness when it's just referring to the selflessness of persons. But it's the same thing. Except for vibhashika, it's a non-implicative negation phenomenon. There is no such thing as. And since each of the tenet systems defines differently what it refutes, that's why I use the general term, the absence of an impossible way of Existence or impossible way of establishing the existence of something. To be more precise. And then, of course, this uh, exercise can uh, be expanded, in terms of dong len, taking on the suffering from ourselves when we don't understand this, and then recognize and giving us ourselves the correct understanding we have to remind ourselves that okay I have a, a job and it you know requires this and this and this and that and I can either think of it as a torture or I can think of it as a challenge it's up to me doesn't make the job itself easier, but it can certainly change my experience of it. And then you think of others who have the same problem, and the difficulties, the disturbing emotions, you know, the anger that you get, When you get locked into thinking, oh, this is truly horrible, I can't take it. And so on. And then don't lend with them. Any further questions or comments? (laughs) <laughs> the Chittamatra and the yogachara Svatantrika Right, the Chittamatra and Yogacara Svatantrika both assert the core selflessness of all phenomenon they agree on that that when you see something that mental hologram is not coming from an external source coming from the same natal source, the same seed of karma as consciousness and mental factors that take that object, so they the same. Where they differ is the subtle selflessness of all phenomenon. So both of them agree that something has a, self, uh, a self-established existence that they agree on, they agree that uh, that uh, things have an individual defining characteristic mark on its own side, Chittamatra says that that characteristic mark has the ability to establish all by itself the existence of something in non-conceptual cognition. even though the, where it comes from is the seed of karma, but it encapsulates it in plastic, it makes it a thing when it comes up. When the appearance that comes up, arises, Yogacara Svatantrika says, no, no, no. And Chinamatra asserts that uh, in conceptual cognition, that individual defining characteristic mark on the side of the object doesn't play any role in fitting it into a category. Only fits into a category by the power of mental labeling. And Yogacara Svatantra also says, no, no, no. It says both in terms of, you have to have both the defining characteristic mark and the mental labeling in order to establish it as an existent phenomenon, whether it's known conceptually or non-conceptually? It's a combination of the two.
1: Let's say, like if we see the color red, then there is like some... say says the, there is sort of light wave of the red that exists by
0: uh, itself. Although we see red because of our mental program. Right. Chidamatra uh, says, I'll repeat for the for the recording, correct, that uh, when we see certain vibration of light, we see that there's a defining characteristic that uh, makes it into a uh, into that, into an existent phenomenon. Now, when we conceptually cognize it to fit it into a category, whether it's a category of color or red or so on, that is only established in terms of the category or the the word. Somebody else could, some other culture could call it orange. They might not consider it a color at all. They would just say, you know, it's a wavelength. Whereas Svatantrika would say that that defining characteristic that makes it a thing can only be, only has the power to establish it as a thing in connection with the mental label, thing. Validly knowable object. Because it doesn't exist in a vacuum, I mean. Or maybe in space it exists in a vacuum, but then it's in space. But it's here in the room. So it's only with making it into a thing, the the concept of a thing, together with the defining characteristic that uh, establishes that it's a validly noble thing. And similarly, that it is red or orange or a color, that it can be labeled like that. Animal doesn't label it like that. Animal sees something, it doesn't understand that it's red. Well, I mean, we have you know Bull sees red or these sort of things. I mean, I don't know how an animal perceives that. Depends on the
1: animal.
0: Depends on the animal. Aren't dogs colorblind? You would know that, Horst. Yes, yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: What, what, what do you mean, so. colorblind? That Are they, they don't co- distinguish between th- red and blue, yeah. just gray. How we want to know it? That's easy to know because they only express one, one the gene for one one color receptor. So it, their eyes don't have the the, the ability to, to uh, in order to perceive color, you need like three different kinds of chemis- chemicals in your in your eyes, each one of which. Ha- in, vibrates with different wavelengths of light. So if there's no gene for producing the two of those and you just have one, they cannot see color. And you can also test it by making them try to differentiate between two things that are different colors by giving them incentives to do it. And if they can't, it also shows that they, they cannot perceive colors.
0: And this fits in if with not. the Buddhist uh, ex- yeah. explanation mm-hmm. that uh, for a cognition to arise, you need it depends on three things. It's not only the object, it's not only the, the awareness, but it's also the cognitive sensors. And the sensors, meaning the you know, the sight, photosensitive cells of the eyes, would have to have these genes that uh, Jorge was just explaining. So if there's only one color receptor gene, and not the three that we need for seeing colors, it would be colorblind. So dogs are colorblind.
1: So humans who are, who are called colorblind uh, have only two of those and have a, a reduced spectrum of color perception. There's also something in between.
0: Right. So some humans yeah. skin, who are colorblind have two of the three receptors. Dogs only have one.
1: And there's women who have four. Pardon? are some women who have four and have a much wider like, um, panorama of colors. So I see. finer perception of colors.
0: I see. Where can we meet them? Where can we meet them, he said. Some women have uh, four color receptor genes. So, anyway. What we need for a stat, that's for the arising of a a cognition. You need these three object, the consciousness and the uh, sensors. But to establish the existence of something, according to a tantra, you need something on the side of the object, the defining characteristic mark, which distinguishing is going to uh, focus on, and mental label of uh, a category and or a designation of a word on a category that it fits, that you fit it into conceptually. So this is the case also with the self But on top of that, the self is an imputation on a basis, the aggregates. But that package of the self as an imputation on the aggregates, then how do you establish that it exists? That's in terms of mental labeling. This is why I make this distinction between the imputation, between... Uh, non-congruent affecting variables like self, like speed, like uh, um, age, like uh, broken, these sort of things. Those are imputations. those are different in many they're, they're different in many ways from mental labeling, with categories and designation with words. although what is similar is a basis and something on the basis, so they have a certain similarity. This is why the word used for all three is the same, but there are also differences that are important. Okay, any further comments or doubts or questions? For many people, it's too difficult to understand prasangika or to work with prasangika. They need something to hold on to. So, this Vatantrika position can be very helpful. Well, there really is a me. And they can think of it as maybe their genome. That's what makes me, me. But, it's only the genome in terms of the concept of a person. Otherwise, the genome is just, what? Matter.
1: And it's very dynamic, it's being expressed at different parts, different stages of your life. It's not like the genome is always being, like, it's like this static book that's always yeah. being read. Yeah, different parts of the book being read at different
0: moments. And, and, and the genome changes through your life as well? So says that at different yeah, moments, yeah, different yeah. parts of the genome are activated in a sense. Yeah, but what
1: is with twins? One eyed yeah. twins, we have to
0: accept. Identical twins have the same genome and so on. But, you know, these are the objections. But if you want to have something to hold on to, then you could hold on to, you know, if you are scientific, the genome and the concept of a person and the concept of a body and the concept of, you know, anything. If we're talking about organic life. or the chemical formula of something. You could hold on to that. Is it merely the chemical formula? No. Is H2O actually water? Well, you have to have the concept of water and the word water. But CO2 would not be a valid basis for labeling water, it has to be H2O, this is what the Svatanchikas are saying. So it gives a certain order to the universe. So someone has to be from the royal caste in order to be king, not from the lowest caste. In these days, you have to be from the lowest caste to be king. (laughs) Right. (laughs) These days you have to be from the lowest caste, but I'm talking about when it was formulated at the time of Buddha. And the Indian commentaries. So it becomes an interesting thing. If you think of, uh, for instance, uh, um, transsexuals, what category do they fit in? Is there some sort of genome? Is it optional, do we call them? You know, do you call yourself male? Do you call yourself female? (laughs) But you can see that uh, Svatantrika position would be uh, applicable. For understanding that. And for dealing with that. What other examples? Can you think of any?
1: For Sautantrika, Svatantrika.
0: Pardon? Sautantrika, what we're talking about? We're talking about Svatantrika. Svatantrika. What about the category of... uh, Remember, sometimes we talked about the category of liking somebody or loving somebody. I feel something. So that's the defining characteristic mark. And But I could call it loving you, or I can call it liking you. It's not on the side of the object that it... Uh, you know that it truly establishes it by itself of what I feel, but it's not simply something in my mind. There's also "I feel something. That's an example, isn't it?
1: So The basically means external phenomena. And the perception, perceiving them, are of different, are not the same.
0: <laughs> oh, what this is, no, this is the, light, because, because, because Sautrantaka Prasangaka is saying that the natal source for an object of, uh, of sensory perception, so non-conceptual, comes from the externally existent uh, elements of the object and its own various causes. And that is not coming from the karmic seed for perceiving it. The Yogacara, Svatantrika, says that the two come from the same seed. So Sautrantika accepts external phenomenon, Chittimatra does not. But that's not, you know, the, the uh, you know, Vaibhashika, Sautrantika, Sautrantika, Svatantrika, and Prasangika all except external phenomena.
1: Chittamatra doesn't.
0: Chittamatra doesn't, and Yogachara, Svatantrika doesn't. Yogachara is another name for Chittamatra. Vijnana Vada is yet another name for Chittamatra. Okay, so that is a brief explanation of uh, the Svatantrika position. And as we saw, it can be very helpful. especially when we still need something to hold on to in terms of uh, how we conceive of things. There has to be some sort of objective element to it. Okay? So, let's end with the dedication. We think whatever understanding, whatever positive forces come from this may go deeper and deeper and act as a cause for all beings to achieve the enlightened state of a Buddha for the benefit of all.